Welcome to the Crazy Ag Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Hope everyone's doing well. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start with this one. Uh, first off, hold on, I got a little bit of breaking news. Hold on a second. Breaking news. Malamadina sales in the Tumba area of Thessaloniki and in the Harilao area have skyrocketed. So if you want to invest in something, invest in Malamadina because it doesn't seem like anything's going to get better in those areas. A lot of Malamadina going on this winter. If you guys don't know what that is, it's a wine. It's kind of like a retina wine, kind of like Kurtaki that's uh, enjoyed in Thessaloniki. Big time Malamadina sales. So invest in that. Of course, that's a joke. I don't want anybody to be thinking this is an investment podcast or whatever. Big win for our boys today. Oh, gosh. Man, where can I start? Let me start from the beginning. So I'm getting ready to watch the match. We had just come home from a road trip. We were uh, out of town for a couple of days. Had a lovely time at a wedding. <clears throat> just gotten home. We were We were planning on it, you know, get home right in time for the match to start. And my heart's racing, everything that's going on. I mean, I, it was literally like, doo 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 um, So what an intense atmosphere. What a beautifully intense atmosphere that the Ike fans put up. Hats off to original 40 years, original 1982 to 2022. Happy birthday to, to um, the, the original Otras, many, however you want to say it. Um, all the yipa the put on in it, it, it just a it was, looked like a fantastic atmosphere. I mean, I keep saying this with this stadium. I keep wanting to just be there, man, for anything, especially for this match. I know everyone was jacked up, ready to welcome in our old friends Pauk and Lutsescu and his antics. And his antics were on high volume today. You could tell during the match and then a little bit after the match when people were talking about it that were there were saying how he was trying to get under the skin of everybody trying to get under the the skin of the referee trying to get under the the skin of the Ike fans to get a reaction with throwing his arm ups on every call his uh assistant coach on the bench would get up on every single and argue every single call with the refs um the refs in this match I have to say did a pretty damn good job of keeping the match kind of level, letting the teams play, because like I told you guys Friday, Balk can't hang with this press style of uh, play that Ike plays, so they were going to try to slow the game down. For them, it was... It, you. They can't go. They can't go toe to toe with a lot of people, but especially Ike with that high tempo. They want to build up from the back. And Ike is not going to allow you to do that when they're constantly pressing. We'll get in more to that as far as the how that helped us get the goals again. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, he started all that on the sideline. But no one bit. You know, no one bit. Um, at the end of the game, I heard there was some commotion between him and uh, Melissa Nidhi, how he went up to go shake Melissa Nidhi's hand. And Melissa Nidhi kind of like uh, was like, you know, get out of here. Um, the guy's a clown, man. The guy's a clown. I'm sorry. Pauk fans, if there are any Pauk fans that are listening to this, I apologize. But your manager's a freaking clown. Just, you know, I respect him a little more as a manager. 
but he was clearly trying to get a reaction out of the Ike fans today. Uh, luckily, no Ike fans really bit at it. There was no reason to bite. I mean, <laughs> your team did not even have a shot on target, bro. So, ade. Enjoy your time back up in Saloniki. And you can tell everybody on the radio stations there and everybody on TV and anyone who actually listened that uh, it was because of Athens that you lost, not because your team played crappy. Anyway, so let's get to the match. <laughs> First 10 minutes, Paul came out kind of pressing, kind of, um, you know, kind of trying to take it to Ike, which that was kind of to be expected. They were clearly the underdog here. Uh, had... I don't even think it was a shot on target. Um, I know Nelson Oliveira, the the ex Ike striker, missed a real heck of a chance. I mean, he the ball sailed wide over the bar. He hit it with his he. Uh, it was a header. It sailed over the bar, and he. Um, I mean, if he would have put that on target, it, it most likely would have been a goal. Probably the best chance of the match, I would say. Um, so for the first ten minutes, this was going up. This was going on. Um, both teams were trying to kind of find their footing, and then I would say from the tenth minute to about the twenty fifth, for a good fifteen minutes, I controlled the game. They controlled possession. Balk were just losing the ball constantly. They couldn't even hardly push the ball to to the other end of the field, uh, and then that slowly died down after those 15 minutes and then Falk kind of was trying to gain more control of the ball rough housing a little bit like I said players were going down very easily they were taking Ike players down um was kind of distraught at this time and I remember even like tweeting stuff out like I think Douglas Augusto who Things between him and Rota and Vida got real, real chatty at one point, and how I felt there should have been cards given out at that point, but um, you know they were really just trying to get under the skin of the Ike players and um, trying to slow the game down. Like I said, that was their whole game plan. It seemed to have failed, and then probably from about the twenty-fifth minute to the end of the half, I mean, I just took it to them. Uh, Balk were being completely asphyxiated by Ike's press. They couldn't get the ball out of their half. And one thing that I would like to say, <laughs> coming up on the 36th minute when Ike scored, is that other fans and Balk fans were saying that, oh, it was because of our mistakes. Yes, you made mistakes, but that's because Ike forced you into those mistakes. It wasn't, you know, we as Ike fans, we know from our defense – our defense is being so horrible the past couple of years, the last few years, that we know defensive mistakes. These weren't defensive mistakes, mishaps. These were straight up Araujo robbed you of the ball. On the first goal, Araujo uh, took the ball, passed it to the side of, of uh, Ilyason. Ilyason was actually on the opposite side. He was... Um, you know, sometimes with this Ike press, when stuff happens so fast, players get out of position a little bit. So he was actually on the left side. Eliason passes the ball into the box to Garcia. Garcia does a nice move to avoid his defender and has a wide open shot on goal. Hit it very hard and kind of not really upper 90, but very hard to where the keeper couldn't get it. 
1-0. This crowd's going crazy. Everyone's going crazy. I'm going crazy. My wife's looking at me like I need to be put in a mental hospital. That's how much I was jumping up and down and going crazy at this point. And kind of like a silent crazy, not even like shouting really loud because I didn't want to scare the crap out of my little 20-month-old. Um, so... Yeah, it was just a happy moment. It was like, okay, this is it. And because right at that moment, I thought to myself, I'm like, right before we scored, I was like, we really need to take the lead in this game because I could just see if if something happens, Balk ends up scoring some way, some freaking weird shot or something. You know, like the way they scored against Olympiacos. You know, and they get the lead, I feel like it's going to be very, very hard to break down their defense, especially if they start to kind of try to park the bus a little bit. Um, and then it was like havoc, man. That was like 10 minutes until the end of the half where it was every time Mike would get the ball, it looked like we would at least get close to a half chance, and that's what was going on. And then Pineda had a beautiful opportunity. I mean, pretty much took on all the Palk defenders and had a beautiful opportunity to, to make it 2-0. If he would have made it 2 0 there, possibly we could have seen a very huge score because I, I think that would have given Ike so much momentum. And I, and I truly believe that if it was made 2 0 there, that we wouldn't have seen just a 2 3. We would have probably seen a 3 or 4 goal Ike win. Um, and let me pause here for a second before I go on to talk about the second half. Well, my first initial reaction to this was that was a, and I give credit where credit's due, Korchatsky, that was a freaking phenomenal save. I mean, this, wow. Um, this guy for the goalkeeper for Palk has caught a lot of heat, and I totally get that because I've seen some Palk highlights and watched Palk a little bit. He's made some questionable things back there goalkeeping, but this is not one of them. This was... An incredible, incredible save. I mean, I think Pineda, you know, did the classic, like, putting his heads, his hands over his head and was like, how in the world did I miss that? Or how the heck did that not go in? I was doing the same thing. I, you know. Um, that being said, let me talk about this for a second before I go on to talking about the second half. So, I know I've talked about this during this whole podcast series about the Yipedo and how it makes things different. And guys, I don't want to sound kind of opadicos, kind of a fanboy mentality or kind of, you know, a la zonos, you know what I mean? I'm kind of living in my own fantasy fairy tale land in my head. But the stadium matters because I believe in a game like this, if this was played at Oaxaca, and, I, and I'm sorry, I feel like I've said this about every game that's been played in Philadelphia, it might have very well easily been a different outcome. It's becoming an intimidating place to play. Obviously, this is the first derby we've won there, but, I mean, it, it's going to be a hard place to play. And it's that kind of, you get that first goal, and then you discombobulate opponents. We've seen Olibiakos do this. We've, Like I've said before on this podcast, this has happened to us from Olibiakos playing at Karaskaki, uh, Unfortunately, at a lot of times that I've seen. Um, but I feel like now we have an opportunity here to really take advantage of the stadium. I think the crowd won us half the battle today. 
Um, it's just a, it's just a different vibe, man. I can't describe it. It's just a different vibe playing in this stadium as opposed to playing in freaking Oaxaca, which was, Oaxaca was a, a wasteland as some people refer to it. Um, <clears throat> let's move on to the second half. So Garcia had that great finish. Pineda could not put the ball away. And I thought at that moment, I'm like, gosh, I really wanted him to put that away. 2-0 was kind of more of a of a of a sturdy score. You know, 1-0, anything can happen. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, gosh, is this gonna come back to bite us in the rear? Second half starts, Bauk um was on the attack. For the first like 10 minutes, gaining possession, trying to get an equalizer. And to their credit, they did have a couple of good crosses. Um, but it was like the the front end of Pauk's attack was just non-existent. And like there were a few good crosses in the box, but no one was there. No one was at the end of them. Uh, nothing to really trouble the keeper. I feel like I'm not... Anafasiadis did not have a lot to do today. Um, I did notice something I forgot to mention in the first half that I forgot to take notes here of. That Bach was trying really hard while it was, you know, even when it was um, 0-0. Then in the, second, in the beginning of the second half, when it was 1-0, when they would get corners, they would really try to capitalize on their set pieces. Because they know, like, their offense is in shambles for some reason. And, and I don't get it. I, I don't... I know I I know they did not have a midfield today. Their midfield was horrendous. At the back, Bauk didn't look terrible, but I mean the second goal looked for Ike looked like child's play. I mean it looked like training, honestly. Um not to really, you know, beat Bauk while they're, while they're down, but it just did not look like good defending at all. Um Bach pressed to get the equalizer, and then in the 61st minute, another Araujo steal gets the ball to the to the middle of the field to Gatsinovic. Gatsinovic is going up the middle of the field, and he does a very nice pass to uh, Eliasson. Eliasson is able to dribble past uh, two Pauk defenders and get inside the box, and while uh, all this is going on, Gatsinovic cuts right in the middle of the box, and gets a pass from uh, Eliasson and just puts it away, honestly. Uh, it was a little better finish than how I'm describing it, but, you know, 2-0, and after it became 2-0, I'm not going to say that I really relaxed at that point because Balka did start to gain more of the possession. They were trying to, um, you know, really trying to press, but did not have any answers. For me, before the second goal went in, I, I thought of, you know, I was trying to think in the manager's heads, and I'm like, okay, Almeida's going to take this as far as he can because we have great conditioning. We're used to playing the style of play. You know, you see Araujo on there, and he's like a like a, like a freaking great mad dog, man. Like, he's just all over the place. And he, I mean, fans voted him MVP. To me personally in this match, I think, I think Eliason and Araujo could have shared the MVP because I just, you know, Araujo... He was just all over the place. He was defending. He was, um, he, he had both of the steals that ended up 
becoming in those two goals that Ike scored. Um, and, you know, that's another thing that, to give credit where credit's due with this team and the coaching staff. The reason why this high press works, the reason why you see, like, at one time while teams are trying to do that modern day, like, build up, you know, goalkeeper passes it to the center backs and they, they slowly try to build from the back. The reason why I can keep five players up there at once, uh, just constantly attacking and nagging and pressing the other team is because everyone tracks back to defend. I mean, I saw Araujo come back to defend. I saw Eliasson come back to defend today. I saw um, Pineda come back to defend today. This is why this system works. Because if you were to tell me at the beginning of the year, this is, is how Ike's going to play, even though, yeah, I did see it through preseason matches. I saw it at the beginning of the year when I wasn't working so well at times. And I was thinking to myself, okay, this is kind of going to be dangerous, you know, from the standpoint of we're going to get countered on a lot. We're going to get, you know, especially in Greek football where you get these smaller clubs that want to counter and the bigger clubs that can counter better, uh, more efficiently. You don't really see that happening. I mean, I don't really... there wasn't one time today where I felt like Pauk countered. And even when they countered, there was one counter where I was like, oh my gosh, Pauk has a great, great numbers, great opportunity here. Ike players got back, and what ended up happening was they ended up having to kick the ball back. And the, the ball, like literally freaking 30, 45 seconds later, ended up back in the back at the goalkeeper. So that's impressive how this team can both do that nice pressing style, but then also track back. Um, it, it was it was amazing to see. So I was sitting there thinking to myself, okay, we can keep this up because, and I felt like that was going to be to our advantage. I, I, I could sense that we were going to get a second goal because I knew eventually these pocket players that are not used to playing that, that are used to playing slower, some of them are older, some of the young players for Bach are not experienced. Um, you know, with, with tiredness comes, you make more mistakes. You, um, you know, the players are just tired. And when you have a fresh, like, Araujo, where you're like, are, are you kidding me? Is this guy, this guy still going? And I'm over here, like, huffing and puffing. Like, I'm ready to fall over. Um, I knew a mistake was going to be made to where we could get a second goal. Before that, though, I was like, okay, this is what I thought, um, well, Jessica was going to do it, and he, and he did. He did rightfully did what I thought. He made a few substitutions at the seventieth minute uh, because he honestly didn't have a choice. He needed to chase the game at that point, and he also needed to just to just freshen up the team. He brought in, you know, my favorite pop player, Bithisvard, who at times, yeah, he did get the ball, but he just, I mean, call it grandfather times caught up with him, or just he. He didn't have the quality up front to where he could like play a nice one two or get the ball to to an offensive player. Uh, that's that's credit to Vida. Vida did a great job to shutting down Oliveira. It's like he was Oliveira's shadow. They got in, into it with each other on multiple occasions. At one point, uh, he was able to get a yellow card out of Oliveira. Um, Vida was just—I mean—he was all over the place too on that defense. Just. Constantly nagging at, at, at Oliveira. Um, 
who really honestly did not have that. I mean, no, none of the Pac players offensively. When I tell you that there was, they had four shots and zero on target. So let's let's recap this for any Pac fan that wants to say the refs this, the refs that, the fouls they weren't calling fouls, they weren't giving you guys cards. You know, players. You know, I even heard a Pac fan that said Gatsinovic should have been out of the game because he should have been shown a second yellow after his. Uh, he should have been shown a first yellow after he went into the into the crowd and then been shown a second yellow moments later after a hard tackle. Uh, baloney, man. Like, I don't know how else to say it. That's BS. Because you look at your team and you look at it statistically, okay? You played Olibekos, you got lucky. And you played Ike. In both of those games, you had one. One shot on target. One shot. That has nothing to do with the referees. That has nothing to do with the... Athens drama, as Luchescu likes to call it, or whatever the hell he likes to call it. That has to do with how crappy your football club is this year and how much your, I don't think your fan base, because I think your fan base, a lot of your fan base is fed up with Luchescu. Honestly, they, they see that the club needs to move on, but how team management is just holding on to him. Don't know why, but they're holding on to him. I mean, long may continue as long as he's getting results like this. Uh, you can't say that most Pac fans that I've talked to said that, you know, you guys won outright. You know what I mean? A couple Pac fans that I have in town that I was <clears throat> messaging back and forth before the game and after the game. And then uh, a couple of people on social media that I talked to had said, you know, you guys won outright. Our team is not looking good this year. They haven't looked good for a while, um, but that's not our problem. But I just wanted to get that out there. But Vida, yes, he was overshadowing Oliveira, frustrating him. The 70th minute came along, and Luchescu made those changes. And there was still a little part of me at that point, even though we were up 2-0, where I thought to myself, okay, guys, like, here we go. Uh, if Paul get a goal here, it's going to be an intense last 15, 10, 15 minutes of the game. That never happened. They hardly ever threatened. Um, and the game just kind of, I wouldn't say fizzled out, but, you know, Ike made some changes. Those Ike players came in. Amrabat, who I love, and I get the part of the point of him coming on late is to hold the ball, but I feel like he holds the ball a little too much. Um, always trying to look, always looking to try to score when he comes on, which is not not a lot of you know. That's that's his forte. That's what he wants to try to do. Um, but I do feel like he could pass the ball to more open players. Maraujo was just everywhere the entire game. Like I said, I I can't stop bragging. He might not be doing the things that we want him to do. He might not be the scorer Araujo this year that we're used to, but he's doing other things and he's become a, a vital piece of, of, of this team, uh, the captain. Um, Eliason, like I said, guys, on my preview pod, I think whenever I recorded it, Thursday or Friday, he was going to be key. And of course, he got two assists in the game. I mean, it's just, it, he wouldn't be stopped. For me, we weren't using him enough. Like, I saw him in the beginning of the game where he got the ball a couple times where we were able to attack from that right side. And um, 
I felt like the ball wasn't wasn't getting there um, to him enough and attacking in that position enough because they they whenever the ball would go to him though I have to be honest uh, he was getting double team but he was passing out of the double team Rota had another amazing game I can't say about how uh, and this just goes to show you how much players can elevate their game when there's a good atmosphere, a good feeling, a family. This team is becoming a team. And as cliche as it is, winning cures all ills. Like, I feel like that's it. To keep on winning like this and to not get scored on for another game, we kept a clean sheet. Yes, I'll admit it, this is not a very good Falk team. But it's still a team that could do damage. Like if we had one bad day today where let's say Vidar, Mukudi, Mukudi again. Awesome clearances. Just I just felt like Pauk were just too predictable, man. Like talking about this game out loud and then trying to visualize thinking back on it. Like it was just so predictable. Like I would see the ball getting crossed into the area and I would look into the area before the ball would even get there and be like, there's no Pauk play around there. Anastasiadis is going to get to the ball or seeing Pauk attack and then a pass or a cross would come in and I'm like okay Mukudu is going to be right there to head that ball that ball away um I don't know it was like child's play honestly for Ike today um not to take anything away from this win massive derby win I mean we needed this we needed to get the monkey off our back uh, like I said, I, I personally thought if we would have lost to Pauk here, being the first game back in Philadelphia, would have been kind of catastrophic because you know they would have ran their mouths. I mean, listen, in the reverse, when they build their new stadium one day, hopefully, if we're able to be the first team to beat them in there, like we're gonna we're gonna talk junk. I mean, it's only normal when Panathinaikos opens their first stadium. The first derby that they lose in there, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for us too. I mean, we're gonna have Olympiacos come in there next round. We're gonna have Panathinaikos come in there next round. Like you know, I mean, but to lose to this team, especially with this fan base that la 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 likes to run that mouth, it feels good to finally exercise these demons. And like I said, another freaking clean sheet. This is what. We've conceded one goal in the last six matches, seven matches almost, if you count the cup match. That's... I'm sorry, guys. I hope I'm not getting boring talking about this, but we have to also remember where this team was last year, where we were just freaking leaking goals from the back. You know, to say that it was 2-0 and that at the 75th minute, my nerves started to calm a little bit and where I was like enjoying the football I was watching and uh, to say that even though we kind of have this, I shouldn't, I'm not going to call it a complex, but a, kind of a mentality where you're just waiting for things to go wrong because of what the results that we've pulled out the past few years, not just against these guys, but I'm talking about generally talking now. Uh, you you kind of think about it a little bit. You're like, damn, like, what if something happens here? What if, like I was saying, Pauk gets a goal and then, you know, you're just a freaking freak accident from a corner kick away. I mean, look what happened to Libia Kloss. They lost with Pauk having one shot on target. 
a couple of weeks ago. So don't go far to where you, how you could see things. Football, uh, football can punish you sometimes. Even when you play the best, the best football, football can punish you. That's just the way it is. That's why we love this sport because it, it's one of those sports. I've said this time and time again, where you could do everything right and that, you know, that, gosh, I was going to say a bad word, that, that freaking ball just doesn't want to go into the back of the net. Afti, bu, bu, tana, bala, the thing that'd be messy, you know what I mean? Um, That's just the way it is, you know? But, um, so it was a massive Derby win. I feel like team spirits are at a really big high. I mean, six straight victories in the league. And to talk about more about the defense again, I'll keep reiterating it. We've only had two goals scored on us on open play all season long, which is, which is pretty amazing. Other stuff that happened in the league over the weekend, like I said, I predict. I predicted one other thing correctly. Uh, that in Ubekos, it was going to be, you know, business training for them. I felt like Lamia couldn't really uh, give them that much of a fight. Uh, I was wrong on the Panathinaikos match, of course. They demolished Volos in front of a home crowd in Volos. And good for them. Uh, I'm finally willing to concede that they're going to be tough to beat. It's going to be tough to cut into the six-point lead. But at the end of the day, just six points. And, like, I want to reiterate that it's only six points and they haven't faced adversity yet. They haven't had a loss. They haven't, you know, if next week we have the deadbeat, it's normally known Eonion, the eternal enemies. I like to call it Apationion. Um, <clears throat> we have that derby, you know, we have, we have a, I mean, they have that derby. We have a difficult game in Tripoli. Uh, you know, if Olympiacos goes in a low forest next week, which I know this is a banged up Olympiacos team, but it's, it's a massive derby. I'm sure every Olympiacos player wants to atone for, the past few months that the team hasn't been doing that well in the in in all competitions uh if Olibagos go in there and let's say get uh even get a win I feel like that's gonna put some pressure on Panathinaikos but let's see what happens guys I'm trying to look through my notes and see if there's anything else I need to touch on um I don't see anything so it's going to be a short episode tonight, guys. I won't talk about anything else. Uh, let me mention really quickly, yesterday we lost in basketball to um, Aris. And the, uh, the first loss in the basketball league for Ike. Um, did not get to watch it, but from the stuff that the reporters were saying and stuff that they were writing, they said it was basically just like the the game that we had against the German team over the week a game that we just gave away. We didn't play well. Again, this team needs time to gel. Hopefully we'll see some better things from them. Uh, I don't think there's any basketball Champions League this week. I don't think it continues till the 22nd of November, if, if memory serves me correct. We did get a win in handball yesterday. It was against the team, or no, that was today. We got a win, our first win in the European competition that we're in handball. 
against a team called Hurry Up. Um, forgot to look up where this team was from, but we were able to get the victory to open up a play in um, the EHF, the European Handball Federation, the league. I think it's the second tier league, so it's like, I want to say it's kind of like the Europa League of uh, handball. Um, but that's about it, guys. I mean, massive victory for our club. Forza Gara over Pauk 2-0. Levy Garcia just doing crazy things there in the striker role. One thing that I'm going to update you guys on if you want to keep a, a lookout on my Twitter feed, at CrazyIkeFan, and on Instagram, at CrazyIkeFan. Uh, like my Facebook page, Crazy Ike fan. Um, Vida went out late, appeared to have an injury, and Levy Garcia appeared to get a little injured at the end of the game. Hopefully it's not nothing too serious because I feel like these have been players from this um, starting 11 that have been cornerstones so far. You know, I would hate to see any of them miss miss time, but hopefully, fingers crossed, that everything's going to be okay. I'll update you guys tomorrow on that. As soon as I get up, I'll listen to the reports and see what's going on. Um, hope everyone has a wonderful day. Uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll probably come out tomorrow. So, Forza Icara, Opospanda. My, um, my preview pod for the next week for the match against Aceras Tripolis might come out a little early. I might have to do it on Wednesday. I got some things later on in the week and got some uh, family coming into town next weekend. So I'm uh, going to try to push it as late as I can, but probably coming out Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but anyway, I hope you guys have a good week. Uh, just celebrate this win, guys. If you're old enough to drink, go have a beer tonight. You know, I'm uh, going to try to see if I can catch this match on replay again. Forza, I got up. Talk to you guys later.